0: Welcome to this short left, which is just a very uh, short monologue, probably less than 30 minutes there. In this episode, I just want to go on a bit of a tangent on belonging or freedom to belong, but of which obviously the title of this episode will never be this. Probably it'll be something like complicating the narrative because... That is exactly what I want to do in this engagement. The reason why I'm talking about belonging today, it's because of the previous episode with Stella. So for those who have not checked it out, please hop back to the previous episode and you'll see um, Comedy, Everything or Nothing at All by Stella Ume, all the way from Canada. But Stella set the ground for me to sort of have a chat about this. Hopefully in the future, I'll have a proper engagement with people who are experts in the topic of belonging or freedom to belong, and particularly even those who might speak about multiculturalism. But for now, I just want to go on a bit of a tangent in this work. So the reason why I choose complicating the narrative as the title is because there's different complexities that I want to pull out out of this uh, conversation today. And complicating the narrative is actually a journalistic framework, or I'm sort of sourcing it from a journalistic framework. There's an American author, uh, Amanda Ripley, who's a journalist, and she wrote a text, uh, Complicating the Narrative, which basically speaks about how journalism is structured in a sense that only one particular perspective is, um, becomes the perspective that is given more air within different kinds of newsrooms and so on and so forth. But the point is, a better engagement and probably journalism should also consider looking at, you know, two contrasting views. But also within the two contrasting views, there might be other elements that should be pulled out. I've already said this in other episodes. For instance, if you consider the feminist movement, it's not really all feminists who agree about certain aspects of feminism. It's not all postmodernists to agree about certain elements of postmodernity, especially today, the fact that, I mean, some would argue that we are in the post postmodernity or post post postmodernity. Uh, in a sense that the trans narrative actually have become more radicalized compared to, you know, the earlier post-modernity, which we saw likes of Michel Foucault giving her, um likes of your know, Derrida, basically, you know, advocating even for the minorities to sort of have a voice in community. But today the trans narrative has sort of surpassed that to the point that even some post-modernists, who are not so radical, they actually are afraid to sort of voice out because they might be criticized of not being progressive enough, or they might be criticized for not being woke, even though we know that the word woke is sort of used in a pejorative way. It's not a compliment, so to say. So I'm using complicating the narrative in that way to say there's other things that sort of have to be unearthed, as far as there are conversations that I know different scholarships might not want to engage in, but they're very much important that we should be able to engage in. Now let me go back a little bit to Stella before I set the ground towards where I'm going with the direction of the work today. When I asked Stella about what belonging means to her, or freedom to belong means to her, Um, she actually had two different split moments where she actually articulated what belonging is, which for some of the listeners, those who have already listened to the previous episode and have engaged with me, sort of raised the fact that Stella's concept of belonging seems to be a little tricky because at one moment she seems to be saying one thing, but in the second moment she seems to have forgotten what she said earlier on. Of which in my response I said I don't think that's necessarily the case um, and for some of them, I said this is me coming in defense you know of uh, Stella but I don't really see it like that I think I understood Stella very well Stella is actually um, was actually pointing out the complexities of um, belonging which is exactly uh, why I'm sort of furthering that conversation here, but I'm not sort of trying to speak, and I'm not gonna to try to speak further on behalf of Stella. I think she was well articulate, and to try to change her words, and I thought I might really do injustice into you know her trail of thought, and of which that is not really what I want to do. So Stella's first response basically spoke about belonging as a social construct, um, saying that people can actually belong everywhere, and anyway, sorry about that. My voice is crackling. It's still morning. <clears throat> People can belong everywhere and anywhere. However, humanities should see, or humans should see, that it is incumbent upon themselves. To steward the earth, to see that the world is brought, and they they can go out there and experiment and learn and do sorts of experiences about life and about the world in whatever way the way. Because Stella actually lived in different places, so she has got sort of different understanding of the world. Um, However, she was very well confident that even though she's an expat and she's lived in different places she still identifies as a canadian because can and she used the the analogy of a title spec um, to say Canada is within her and she is within Canada. And if you remember, she spoke very greatly about how she had to sing and watch her national flag raised because she was doing great in the you know, Olympics, uh, representing her country. So she's got that strong belief and identity and culture um, of Canada and she knows who she is. But on the second thought of it later on, after we had a bit of couple of minutes chat and then I sort of reverted back into this conversation when she spoke about the experiences of black people and touching the fact that it is possible that, you know, blacks can have to switch their personalities to probably about 12 different types of personalities. You know, in the streets, there could be somebody. Back at home, there could be somebody, which obviously, even when you go to church, it might be somebody. If you go to that event, you might have to be somebody. Obviously, some people might say, but this is done by everybody as a form of, you know, uh, behavior, knowing how to behave in the public. But I think I understood Stella very well um, in this case, and she was not... <laughs> I don't think she was actually trying to be divisive in terms of the way she was articulating this. I think she was pointing out the reality which many people might not have to understand. I mean, very often, you know, people who don't speak English, i have come across some who don't speak English who have to continuously apologize for not being well articulated in terms of English. All those things are are things that sort of, um, you know, speak about belonging especially when some people also would be confronted in terms of their English that you're not articulate or some people would say I can work better with this one because they speak better English and so on and so forth all those things are undertones of what belonging looks like so I I, I, I did very well um, understand where Stella was coming from. Um, Stella you know However, in this particular point, to speak about switching codes and you know different kinds of personalities and so on and so forth, she does not suggest that people should actually be docile to different forms of injustices. That's not, you know, the impression that I got from her. But she was actually just explaining, you know, the reality that people often go through, um, and I wish I understood her. But the point here also was to draw across the fact that even the negative experiences that people go through, they still form part of belonging. So we cannot choose belonging to just be one thing and being only the beautiful side. Belonging can also be the negative sides, which is why at some point she says, we should not at any point overlook any kinds of experiences. We should not at any point overlook the negative experiences. They are part and parcel of the aspect of belonging. So that's basically tackling the complexities of belonging, not just talking about belonging in a romanticized way, but also reckoning the fact that belonging also has a darker side. And it's part of who we are. Very often the darker side makes people more stronger, makes people resilient, but it's not to everybody. For some people, the darker side really crumbles them, the darker side disempowers them. So this is very much different. And I mean, with that, I'm trying to point out the fact that sometimes it's dangerous to try to want to hold onto one narrative about what belonging is. Because people have different pursuits in life, because people have different experiences of life it is possible that belonging might look different. But the whole point of this conversation for me is to talk out against oversimplifying what belonging is, oversimplifying how belonging should be. And the fact that I feel like I belong does not necessarily mean that I have to impose onto the next person that they should feel like they belong. Because honest truth, they might not feel like they belong, you know? they might be treated differently. And and this also goes into conversations about racism. The fact that I'm a black person and I might enter a space and say, the space was very friendly to me, therefore uh, I didn't feel any racist sentiments. It does not mean I have to impose that to the next person who would come and say, oh, I was approached in a very militant way. Um, it does not mean also the fact that i'm kind to one person therefore it will mean i'll be kind to the next person and this goes to people who are sort of maybe defensive sometimes to acts of racism whether to say oh i know tony tony is not racist i might not be racist to you i might be tolerant to you but to the next person i might not be tolerant so to what extent do we make room in terms of the fact that two different things can coexist but one might see it, the other might not see it, or one might see the one side, the other might see the other side. So This is basically why complicating the narrative is very much important in this case. Now I want to move further um, from this point of Stella, uh, but maybe the last thing that I can leave you with with Stella in terms of the complexity is to remember the fact that Stella did say that even in a place where you feel like you belong, even back in your home country for those who are migrants or whatsoever even there are spaces that you might not supposed to go to because maybe they pose a threat to your life and there are places that you might have to go through so that's still part of belonging the fact that you do not necessarily have leeway to everything access to everything therefore belonging is very much complex now, if you paid attention, I had not sort of given you any kind of definition of belonging, and I've done that very much deliberately. Um, I know that many people might think of belonging through, you know, the standard form of, you know, the dictionary, but I want to leave you with this one, definition that I found from the Cornell University, which was actually framed within the premise of diversity and inclusion. And belonging is defined as the feeling of security and support when there is a sense of acceptance, inclusion, and identity for any member of a certain group. Now, this is a frame that I want us to work on today. Um, and the you know, reason why I feel like perhaps I should entertain this is because I've engaged a number of work from friends and people who are not necessarily my friends but who are doing great contribution into the scholarship talking about belonging uh, i'm thinking of the likes of dr elsa likumba whose work is on belonging um, i'm thinking of the likes of a friend of mine dr joshua kalemba who sort of theorizes race and racism um, whose work also focuses on sociology of work among you know migrants in australia how their experiences also sort of touch and speak, you know, to the ideas of belonging. And many other friends of mine and people are not friends of mine who actually coins the aspect of belonging. But now this episode is not necessarily to review their work. I'd be doing an act of, you know, disinjustice, if there's a word like that. Um, Because to review their work, it means I would have to, I would have to, engage their work in a fair manner and uh, I mean to some of those who are friends of mine I'd have to sort of alert them in terms of some of the critiques that are sort of posed against their work but I mean this is part of the scholarship you know anyone can receive your work and sometimes after you've written a book or you've said whatever podcast and you release it out there you don't have control of how other people are going to receive it some might receive it in a militant way some might receive it in a kind way you just don't have full control over that So I've heard a couple of points which, you know, some contributors in the scholarship have made about the aspects of belonging, which some of them, I just want to tackle them. So I've got a couple of points here, which seems like it's a lot, but I'll try to sort of oversimplify them so that we're all on the same page and I don't get to lose you. You don't get to lose me. Some of them, I'll sort of give a bit of a response to them and some of them will just be particularly additions. So for instance, there's three different points which I've heard Um, which I feel like they were oversimplified and perhaps if the contributors could sort of work hard to stretch it further so that the narrative sounds a little complicated, but not because you're just fascinated about complicating things, but because you, you are showcasing the ability to sort of switch angles, to switch floors, to switch chairs. You are getting into a space where you say intellectually, um, I'm trying to do something that does not lead society into the poverty of knowledge, where everybody would see something only through one angle, because really, one angle is just poverty of knowledge, according to me. <laughs> well, the first point that I have sort of heard from you know, different contributors has to do with tasking migrants, in a way that they tasking migrants to basically work hard that this should be accepted in a space. And there is nothing wrong with tasking migrants to work hard so that they can be accepted in a space. But it, comes, it becomes a little bit unfair if you are going to task only a migrant to work hard so that they are accepted in a space to a point that you forget that the host too might have to work hard also to do away with their negative perceptions about expats might have to work hard to do away with things that they may have learned over history um, that vilifies certain groups so To task a migrant alone, I think it is oversimplifying um, belonging. Belonging is a work of both the migrant, the expat, and also should be the work of the host. So for those who may have in so many ways, thought of only challenging the migrants to say, you need to work hard, you need to push, you need to push, you need to push, you need to push. push." There's nothing wrong with encouraging them. But think carefully also about to, and ask yourself to what extent have you silenced? And to what extent have you disengaged yourself from the challenge of, or from the task of challenging hosts also? to eliminate their own negative perceptions about expats. The second point is that I've heard many points or statements where it seemed as if migrants are encouraged to be docile to any acts of injustices and acts of exclusions. And you'd hear things such as, You'd left your, you left your home country. you are here. you cannot complain that this is how you're being treated. you cannot complain about um, this is how you got kicked out in the space this is how you got looked at. If you are not happy, go back to where you came from. I mean, this presupposes the fact that host people cannot in any way work to you know resolve their attitudes. This presupposes that host people cannot change their perceptions and cannot practice, cannot get into a point where they are cognizant of multiculturalism and they they can become also champions of multiculturalism. How about informing experts that a space you go to might be docile, you might be excluded, it might be on the basis of race, it might be on the basis of experience, it might be on the basis of culture, and so on and so forth. But yes, you can still work out to fit in. But at the same time, in the spirit of multiculturalism, you saying to the hosts, people who look different to you would come and enter this space. They might not necessarily be dangerous people. This is how you can also benefit out of them. Um, Think more about integrative approaches as opposed to separatist approaches. So to, to, to only task a migrant and push them to be docile, to say, if you're not happy, go back home, I think that's basically oversimplifying uh, the aspect of belonging. The third one that I hear a lot is that uh, migrants should use their own creativity to enter a space and to sort of work out their acceptance, which there's nothing wrong really encouraging migrants to use, you know, their acts of creativity. But also here you might run the risk of thinking that one, using their own creativity will automatically get accepted in a space. But we need to remember also that this acts of creativity at some point becomes you know, ways in which people generate income. And in any space where people generate income can become a, comb- a space of combat or a combative space. Therefore, one might be you know um, challenged harshly, one might be segregated, and so on and so forth. So do not think that one using their creativity technically means one can get in a space and be accepted. They might have to enter creativity but change a lot of things about their ways of delivery. They might have to enter creativity but change their styles of delivery. I mean, just to remind you, this is exactly what Stella said even in the previous episode. The fact that at some point she had to switch codes. At some point she has to switch styles of, you know, narrating because in you know, Australia she's engaging, you know, a white middle class. Therefore, the conversation If she has to speak particularly about race elements, she might have to tone it down because some of the people might think she's starting a race riot and so on and so forth. So part of your creativity and who you are is likely to change. And maybe there's nothing wrong with changing, but at at the same time, the point here is that to think that one using their own creativity will sort of pave way easily and automatically mean that they will be accepted in a space, that might just be a miss. So you may need to think, again, of the fact that even within creativity, is a space of you know, difference, it's a space of engagement, it's a space of competition, and so on and so forth. So the next other few points are just points that I want to raise to those who are contributing towards you know scholarship and intellectual engagement about belonging to say you need to think carefully about it. And the first one has to do with history. To what extent should a migrant and a host person be humble, Towards history, be humble to one another because they reckon the state of history, spaces such as, you know, Australia, America, New Zealand, where we know that in you know, where we know that this original owners of the land and they are still fighting for their own recognition. To what point then do I as a migrant, when I step into a new place, try to flex the fact that, oh well, I'm here, you gotta live with it. And 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 try to be very well competitive to a point that i even overlook other people who are part of the history of the land so i'm thinking about the aboriginal community and the fact that right now there's voice to parliament that actually speaks exactly about the experiences and the aspects of belonging of aboriginal people so to what point Should I, as a South African, step into a place and try to sort of push and parade my values high above those of um, the Aboriginal people? So this is what I mean about history and the fact that humbleness often has to sort of kick in. And I have to be very much careful so that when I step in a place and I speak about I belong here, I do not do it in the colonial style. Because that can also be a bit of a miss. The second one is engaging policy and understanding political language. This is a bit of a thorn. Let me just go on a bit of a tangent in terms of the history here to point out something in the aspects of belonging. Around 1901, Australia was actually operating through a white Australian policy, which basically was segregative. It didn't allow any non-Europeans to immigrate to Australia, particularly those from Asia and the Pacific Islanders. However, we see that white policy being dismantled in 1973 through the Labour government under the leadership of Gough Whitlam. However, around 1975... New policies on multiculturalism is introduced in Australia. And this policy basically gave a bit of a space to expats to sort of you know, canvas and parade their cultures and to feel a sense of belonging. However, on a political landscape, again, around 1997, we see a one nation party, party being opposed to immigration. And of which this is the same thing that is actually happening even today. Uh, not only a 1997 case, there's a lot of, you know, journalistic engagements you see on TV speaking about how, you know, migrants should not enter this space and perhaps choosing different kinds of migrants opposed to different kinds of migrants. So as far as policy might speak about people belonging, we need to also think about how still individual voices might argue otherwise. So the complexities between policy and practice is something that needs to be sort of uh, um checked or a conversation of those need to sort of be checked and also has to be heard as to to what point then can one be protected by policy while individualistic or either isolated views, political views might sort of suggest otherwise. And this is also the case in terms of, you know, um, the education sector, for example. When you say international students who step into your place, they have to pay you know, full fees to show that they are eligible to be in a space and they're able to protect themselves. As far as that's a good policy, nonetheless, it's a policy to have engagements about, even in relation to the differences in fees between a, you know, um, migrant and those of, you know, a citizen, because migrants often pay three times higher than citizens, depending on what the cost is. So those kind of differences in terms of the finances are aspects that speaks about belonging. The fact that to you who's a migrant, there's more that I can exploit out of you compared to a citizen. So that's a conversation also that shouldn't be um, simplified, but it needs to sort of be, you know, we need to sort of have that kind of an engagement. Where am I? Um, it is possible, as I said, that policy might say you are welcome. Political engagement might say you are not. But again, it is possible that different kinds of policies might sort of contest otherwise. Multiculturalism might say you're welcome to be here to practice whatever, to be who you are. But at the same time, you might be challenged with other you know, policies. For instance, you're looking at texts. A migrant might not be eligible to the same tax payment compared to a citizen it speaks of belonging it is possible that a migrant sorry might not have same paid leaves compared to a citizen it's aspects that speaks of belonging but my point is that you cannot just over silence those and choose just the little nitty-gritties to use them as a basis of belonging without tapping deeper policy also needs to be looked at or else why do we have policy analysts then we should close shop belonging requires one to also think there's a next point about moments of happiness and also about precarious moments it is possible that one can belong at any time but you know through a precarious moment or catastrophic moments therefore just, just that you do not belong here might be raised against you and with this i'm reminded of pre covid uh, or almost going towards mid COVID a couple of years back in Australia, when the then Prime Minister, uh, Mr. Scott Morrison, basically said statements such as If you're here and you're an international student or a tourist and you discover that you cannot support yourself during these hard times, perhaps it's about time you think of going back home. And for some, they might say that's a fair statement to say. But my point here that I want to drive home is that. It speaks of belonging, the fact that you can belong at any time, but as soon as moments hit, you cannot belong at a space. But again, this kind of narrative requires that even hosts should think carefully about the complexities of saying that to migrants. Uh, because I feel like this was a flawed statement, considering that by then, international people. Um, higher education or international education was the second largest export in Australia next to iron ore and it was employing over 250,000 Australians. So to say to them, perhaps think about going back home, you might need to think about whether is it fair to people who are contributing to your economy to be treated in this way in the long run. Um, Obviously one might say every family or government should protect its own people has already said this. You might be right. But that does not mean this kind of an act should not be engaged intellectually. And I mean, this speaks, these are actually elements of xenophobia, which should be looked at in many different ways. And it's not a, a thing of Australia. I'm not claiming that Australia is xenophobic and whatsoever, and then you just misconstrued my views and so on and so forth. The point here is about that belonging needs to be stretched forth to even parts which we are not comfortable to sort of talk about. Xenophobic sentiments are everywhere in the world. South Africa has a lot of those where, when the people are con- confronted with, you know, um, high unemployment, and they want to sort of point out their, you know, dissatisfaction with the government, they are likely to sort of turn into attacking non-South Africans, particularly those of African descent, and therefore you see what you know, likes of Fanon would have called, you know, Afrophobia or Afriphobia, whatever. Um, America has gone through the same under Trump's administration. We saw there was a lot of contestation about the, you know, the borders, the walls having to be built, and who's paying for the walls, and so on and so forth. Those are conversations about belonging. You know, sorting a, d- a line, drawing a line between the insider and the outsider, um, so to say. And even today, America is still going through the same. In the state of Florida, there's a lot of things happening there. New laws are being passed that are against, you know, women you know, against um, abortion, uh, you know, new laws requiring that hospitals should sort of record the immigration status of patients and so on and so forth, which some see it as as, as launching an attack against um, migrants, particularly undocumented migrants. And as I speak now in Florida, a lot of migrants are sort of leaving the place and you know infrastructure is falling apart. Um some might say I'm over exaggerating this, but perhaps just do your own research and look at it. But my point is that also that speaks about belonging and shows how belonging should not just be reduced to less simplified, oversimplified things. Um the seventh point maybe this will be the last point that I'm trying to Draw across is that belong should also be engaged within um, the lines of questions or statements such as "Where are you from?" "I love your accents." And I mean, I'm not sort of trying to point this or claim that this is an act of racism. Some people might be genuinely keen or interested in knowing more about you, but those statements also might speak a lot about belonging in a sense that to some it might really be racism. Um, um, but they basically suggest that you do not belong here because very often belonging has to be understood through the lens of, you know, either accents, morality, ways of thinking, ways of doing, ways of engagement, types of food you eat, and so on and so forth basically being assimilated into a new culture therefore you might close up the fact that you do not belong here but also maybe as a last thing belonging should be understood in a point of what happens when i step into a place a host country as a migrant and i start to misbehave i start to sell drugs i start to do human trafficking i start to you know promote prostitution doing the pimp life and so on and so forth that is also an aspect of belonging, which I feel like not only the host should be concerned of, but even you as a migrant, you need to think of it because that kind of a behavior of deviance is a certain stone for other migrants who are coming in a space. Perhaps that is why some of the policies are very tough and hard. Though they speak of... Um, Belonging—it it is because some of the people who've gone are hurt. They've actually gone and messed up opportunities for other people who are still coming. So this is what we basically need to think of. But really, my parting shot is that belonging or freedom to belong should not be presented in in an oversimplified manner because there's a lot of complexities and also because men too are complex. Human beings are complex. They are complex in their pursuit of values, they are complex in their pursuit of you know virtues. So belonging is likely to look different to others, and it is often difficult to create a space of belonging for people or for everyone in a similar manner. Like I already said, some might need belonging to look different to others. And this is because it is often to be, you know, it is often difficult because people are complex. And the complexity also has to do with how one negotiates their space. So that is me. Hopefully I'm making sense with a number of things that I've sort of raised. But go ye, love people, be best versions of yourselves, be best human beings, and I'll see you next time. Thanks for choosing the visions and tones.